Welcome to Faith Kit, a weekly conversation with Rev. Dr. Glenn Miles and noted guests, dialoguing their life of faith in today's culture. Let's join Dr. Miles and today's guest. Hi, my name is Glenn Miles. I'm the Senior Minister at First Community Church, and you are listening to Faith Kit. Today's guest is the Reverend Carla Eighty, my longtime colleague and friend in Kansas City at Country Club Christian Church. Carla, how are you? Doing great, Glenn. So good to see you. It's wonderful to be with you. And even though it's on a Zoom call, it's great to see your face. And that office sure looks familiar to me in, in the background there, although a lot nicer and much more well decorated. But anyway, um, Carla, tell our listeners uh, who you are and tell about your background, your family and what you're doing now and all that. Okay. I grew up in Fort Worth, Texas. And after seminary, I came to Country Club Christian Church, where I've been for almost 34 years and had the great joy of working with you for how many years? Uh, 13. Oh, 14. 14, you're yeah. right. 14. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was a great chapter and I miss working with you so much. Uh, I'll move out. If you'll come back, you can have this office. I'll move back across the hall. No, I'll come, I'll come be your middle school director. If you need it. <laughs> so um, I have three grown children and five grandchildren. And I'm married to Dave Amon, who's an awesome therapist and husband. Yep. That's me. What else do you want to know? Tell us where you went to school. I went to University of Texas in Austin, where I studied journalism. And then I went to Yale Divinity School for my MDiv, and yeah. I think, I, I, do you recall the last two scores of the times the University of California played the University of Texas in football? Does that, do you remember that at all? I'm thinking you're bringing it up because I'm thinking your team won. Probably so, yes. I'll send you, I'll send you video clips from those, from those games for, for sure. Um, uh, yeah, well, uh, and you've been, how, say again, how long, you, you started at Country Club in 87? 88. 88. So mm -hmm. you, this is, you've been your, since seminary, your entire career has been in this church. That is correct. Uh, re remind me and, our, and let our listeners know of all the roles you've played there. Oh, I came here as the minister of single adults, and then I was minister of young adults, minister of community development, minister of spiritual formation, associate minister, senior associate minister. And then when you left, I became the senior minister. Yeah, that's, that's kind of amazing. Um, while we're on this, uh, what's, what's your, what, what have all those roles done for you as the senior minister? Is there, has there been anything that's really helped you in your current role, having played so many different um, uh, positions on the team, as it were? You know, Glenn, I think it has both helped and hurt. And I remember when you were here, you used to say the same thing. It helps to be the senior minister when you've already been the associate because you know what what your staff is going through, what their challenges are, and you can, I think, coach and mentor better because I've been in those positions before myself, so I can really appreciate um, the value that each of those clergy bring to the staff and, and how much they contribute to the whole church. I think for me, it's also been a challenge because I'm so tempted to, to go join them in their mm. work and I have to stay in my lane. And 
So it's been both a, an asset and a liability that I've played all those different roles. But overall, I think it, it's, an, it's an asset. I, I really appreciate the team approach to ministry here, which I know you have a first community as well. And I think it's such a gift in this day and age to have really experts in, in each area of ministry and know that they're doing the absolute best work that can be done. So for sure. Yeah. I I love, I love being here. I love, I love the people of this church. I love my colleagues. Julie and I loved being back there in October for the the hundredth anniversary. And, and it was so fun to see you so natural in that role. So natural. And what was more enjoyable than that uh, was the way, the obvious way the congregation has uh, uh, aligned, aligned with you as, as their pastor. And, and it was just, it was really fun to, to see, to see how that has, has evolved. Um, So let's, so let's keep talking about your role. Um, What's, if you're willing to go here, what's one of the most difficult things or the worst part about being a senior pastor in a, in a large church like Country Club? Well. <laughs> okay, that, there's a paragraph. Who's listening? <laughs> who's listening to this? No one. It's just you and me. Um, honestly, I think the most difficult part of being senior minister is also being the head HR person. Mm. And I think that's been increasingly difficult during COVID. Um, Being the head HR person means you're always building staff, developing staff, coaching staff. Um, There's always turnover in the staff, retirements, um, people outgrowing their position and going to new places. So uh, I remember, Glenn, when you left and went to First Community, I thought, oh, I'm going to build a new staff. We had some vacancies that were natural and, and I was like going to build the staff. Well, now it's been six years and we're having retirements on the horizon and there's, there's new building to do all the time and people. Yeah. So, so that that's very challenging. And during COVID we, you know, realized the benefit of reorganizing and adding some positions with the growing need for technology and, and virtual ministry. So I, I feel the burden of that more particularly in the last couple of years than I did prior to COVID. I think you're right. COVID exacerbated all, all what am I trying to say? It illuminated the, the, the cracks in the wall as it were like, Oh my gosh, we really do need to fix this. We got And I'm not talking just HR, but gen- general things in the church stuff that we all knew were uh, issues or concerns just suddenly became bigger deals. Um, yeah. And I think people, in the pews may not realize that you and I face the same challenges that they do in their workplace. Like how do you have a hybrid workplace, a virtual workplace where colleagues aren't together, but you still need to develop synergy and creativity. Right. And I think that's yet to be determined um, how that's what the best practices are in the world going forward. It's also, you know, people want to have hybrid workspace, but and they want to work from home, but then they miss each other. So figuring all that out is a challenge for any leader today. And it certainly feels that way to me. I, I think, I think you're exactly right. And that we've, we've had similar challenges here. Um, although, you know, on our team, the people who are really good are really good, uh, whether, mm-hmm. they're, whether they're at home or hybrid or, or walking right. around the office. So yeah. say, what's something you enjoy the most about what you do? 
You might be surprised when I say this, but I really love the preaching. I, I thought it would be the hardest part of the job, but it is the most fun part of the job. I love the opportunity to research and dive into the text. I love the, the thinking about movies and literature and current events and how they intersect with the text and also people's lives, what's going on in people's lives and how that intersects with the text. And I love worship and I love worship even more now than I did before COVID because we went for so long without in-person worship. And now when we're together, it does, it could be the, the least attended Sunday or the best attended Sunday, just being together with people in a room and opening up the text and singing songs together. I, I love it more than I ever did. I, I know you used to say, you know, you were a worship nerd. Um, I never really saw myself that way, but I do now. I, and by the way, I'm not surprised by what you said. You were always a great preacher when I was there. And as as you recall, I'm sure, I think I made you my number one uh, uh, sub when I was gone um, within about a year uh, upon arrival. So um, I've always seen that you were a great preacher. Didn't you just preach down at uh, Bright um, Divinity School as the preacher of the, the year? Where, what's that called down there? Say, brag about yourself a little bit. Uh, Minister's Week. Minister's but, Week. That's it. Yeah. I forgot what the name of that lectureship is the wells sermons is what it's called right um yeah i did that that was interesting because it was at my home church um but i ended up preaching all the sermons here at country club virtually um so yeah that was fun it was it was still fun to preach to the people that i grew up with i bet tell, tell us about a, a myth uh about your role that you would love to debunk hmm. I guess, I guess there are two that come to mind, depending on who holds the myth. I think one myth is that preachers are always doing holy stuff. <laughs> You're not. And, and I mean, to the extent that everybody's doing holy stuff all the time, but so right. much of what we do is mundane. We do budgets, we do plans, we do strategic, we do benefits, we do um, we do, you know, one of our biggest problems right now, we got pigeons on the roof yeah. destroying the HVAC and the HVAC in the chapel, the air conditioner in the chapel is broken and all of that stuff. That's right. just the stuff. And, and people, I think, assume that when I come here, I pray and read the Bible and, and visit the sick and call it a day. But so many days, this job is just like any other job. Um, what was the other myth? I, the, the other myth is kind of the opposite, um, that really we don't have that much to do <laughs> right. and, um, that we just kind of work on Sunday and write a sermon and that's it. You know, our, our friend, uh, John Ross was on one of these podcasts and he said something similar that, um, uh, that there's. The myth that he ran into in, in Wayzata when he was up in Minneapolis was that uh, he's confident and knows what to do every day, all to, all the time, and it's really not a problem. And, and you know, he sort of and he sort of um, uh, named the the uh, uh, the imposter syndrome, you know, that all of us. Now, maybe you don't, but uh, certainly many of the folks I've talked to and myself included, you know, just worry about, boy, are people going to finally figure out that I have no idea what I'm doing half the time? Um, you know, but speaking of pigeons, our, our problem at First Community North is geese. 
I think it was Palm Sunday. So we had a big crowd at the 11 o'clock service at, at our North campus. And, and I went out to um, outside, outside the door to greet folks as they were coming out. There was a goose who had literally laid an egg um, just off the steps, about 10 feet away from the door. And her mate was guarding her. So everyone who walked by got attacked by this male goose. It was a, we had to call a goose whisper. It's just like the stuff, like you say, the stuff we have to do, no one really um, knows for sure uh, what's going on there. Yeah, we um, just got back from Rome and in Florence with the church Bible and art trip. And when I got back, they were like, what are we going to do about the pigeons? And I said, hey, I just came back from cathedrals that were built in 1200. And guess what they have? Pigeons. So <laughs> these are going to stand for a thousand years, even with the pigeons. Don't worry about it. We'll be fine. Yes. Uh, and that is the joy of, tra of overseas travel, too, is, is putting everything into perspective, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. All right. This yeah. podcast is um, is built around uh, the idea of faith. It's inspired by um, uh, the NPR uh, podcast Life Kit, which is about um, finding certain life hacks and how to deal with your kids or how to get an education or, you know, all, all kinds of things. Um, but we're asking um, our guests to talk a little bit about their faith and to uh, to coin a phrase, um, what faith hacks have you utilized to help you in in downtimes and seasons of doubt and periods when maybe your faith waned a little bit? Um, say a little bit about that for us. So the two things that come to mind for me that I turn to when when my faith feels wobbly, um, one is solitude. Withdrawal and um, withdrawal from everything, turning off all the devices. Um, I have a little timer that I use so I don't have to use my phone as a, as a timer when I want to set my prayer time. Just a little kitchen timer and take all the devices out of the room so you hear no beeps and then just spend time in solitude. That That works for me. Um, I know a lot of people are uncomfortable with solitude. I'm an extrovert, so it's a little awkward for me as well. But I find that it's the best way to listen to the spirit and to listen to my own heart. Um, on the flip side, I, I really think a spiritual tool for me is community. Hmm. Being in a, in a book group or a Bible study group or a, a clergy colleague group where one where people will open up and be honest. I find that really life-giving and energizing. And oftentimes when I'm, I feel depleted, if I go and, and sit with an honest group, I leave more sure of the spirit. You know, you, you probably remember that uh, Julie and I were in a group of uh, pastors and spouses in Kansas City met once a month on a Sunday night and, and, uh, it's our, our mutual friends, Adam Hamilton and Tom R and, and, and uh, Rick power, who I think is now a district superintendent for the Nazarene church in Hawaii, uh, wow. where, he's, where he's really having to struggle with dealing with that. Um, but that's, that's probably the one thing we miss the most since we've been, since we left six years ago is mm -hmm. without that small support group where we could be honest and open and and laugh and have fun and all that yeah I, i'm i'm not surprised it's kind of funny too that you named both solitude and community that's uh, mm -hmm. i'm gonna i'm gonna note that for myself personally that we really do need both so mm -hmm. if you feel good about this talk about a time your faith was wobbly what was going on mm. 
Oh, I think there are lots of times I could talk about. I mean, sometimes for me, it's just getting tired and feeling depleted. And, and I notice that it is wobbly if I haven't had adequate time with solitude or with community. Um, I think just exhaustion can make you doubt everything. Um, it does me. Um, next in 2023, I'll be due a sabbatical. And I always find that as I get closer and closer to sabbatical, I realize I really am needing time to recharge. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Well, let me rephrase that. I know you remember this. <laughs> uh, seven years ago this week, you and I experienced a challenging time at this church. And I don't know that my faith was wobbly, but I was certainly at a peak anxiety period. Right in, in right. my own life and wondering like, can you really trust people and can you really trust organizations and can you really trust um, that the church works? Um, so yeah, I would say there have been lots of times when my faith has felt wobbly and it's not just in a crisis time. Sometimes it's just, I'm tired. You know, it, oddly at the beginning of the pandemic, I felt kind of energized, like, Kind of like, here's a tornado and we're going to get through it. But the longer it lasted and the more it seemed to be a new normal, the more I've started to feel wobbly. Like, how, how are we ever going to get through yeah. this period? I, you know, I, 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 I agree so much that, that um, from when did we start? started in March. You know, we, I just went full bore content producer. You know, I was producing content five, six days a week, not just sermons, Bible studies, um, uh, live broadcasts. I mean, just uh, I, instead of doing it, I would do a weekly email to the congregation on Friday. Instead of that, I did a weekly video um, and would think about setup and content and all, all that sort of thing. What clothes am I wearing? All this stuff like that. Um, and I, somewhere around July, I just hit the wall. I mean, I hit the wall hard and just went, OK, I got I just need to take a week and just be and not be thinking about anything else. You know, that you, we brought up the time seven years ago. I remember um, our friend, Phil Love, who was either the, the board chair or the board chair elect. Um, I remember him saying to me, uh, we got through this because this is, this is a healthy church. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, it was hard to see that in the middle of it, but it, we got through it uh, because of the overall health of the church. And, and you, you deserve a ton of respect and, and uh, credit for that for sure. All right, let's um, let's look at the text that that uh, coming up because we're we're doing these these podcasts as a, as a way of um, uh, kind of uh, promoting the sermon series, uh, Faith Kit sermon series that I'm doing, and and giving people a chance to um, uh, to hear some from my friends and, and colleagues at the same time. Um, the text that that's coming up this Sunday after this podcast is uh, from Luke 10. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. I, I know you know it well, but what I like to do on Mondays, and I, and I ask you to do this too, uh, on Mondays as I'm getting ready to preach on Sunday, is just do a cold read. I learned this from Fred Craddock, so it's not my idea, but Fred Craddock said, just read the text and then write down everything that comes to mind, every question, every thought. Half of it'll be junk by the time you start looking at the scholars, but let's do a cold read and, and uh, Let's 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 talk about your cold read on the Good Samaritan story, the story of the of of the man who's beaten up and left in the road. Three uh, really super religious, a uh, uh, couple of religious guys come by, and the third one is this Good Samaritan who's an enemy of the one who's been beaten up and left on the side of the road. What's your cold read? Well, I don't know how cold it is because I, I actually preach this text um, 
think it was the last Sunday in May. Um, good. good. Memorial Day weekend. So I actually um, had Can thought you... about this a bit, but I'll tell you what my cold read was when I read it at the end of May. And that that was, I don't know if I can say this without crying, but my, my first cold read of this text was, what kind of neighbor are we to the children in Uvalde, Texas? Mm. And what kind of neighbor are we to the people who we disagree with on gun safety? I mean, there are people that that feel like my enemy because of their position on guns that feels to me like it's uncaring about vulnerable children, but I have to see them as a child of God too. So, so I guess it brought up for me the polarization in our society, particularly around guns, but it also brought up for me that being a neighbor is not just being a neighbor to a person in the ditch, but what if, children who don't vote what if they're the ones in the ditch because they are mm. children are dying people are dying all the time you can edit this part out if you want no this is, this is really good keep going this is awesome um so i i think for me you know the the question that is asked of jesus who is my neighbor? And then, then the parable of Good Samaritan comes. I think that's how it is in Luke, right? Um, I, I think my worst fear is that as a Christian, I don't see the vulnerable as my neighbor. Because I think what's happened in the United States is we don't worry about gun violence until it comes to our school or our church or our town. I mean, you were there after the shooting here in, in Kansas City. Um, was that at the Jewish Community Center? Yes, it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you spoke at that. And and like until it comes to your community, it's easy to just see it as something in the news. But but they we can't we can't continue with that attitude. I mean, the numbers are just staggering. It, it's staggering. I I, I uh um, called a meeting this week, as a matter of fact, or last week, uh, uh, with some of the politicians that are members of our church, former, a couple of former mayors, state representatives. And in fact, I think you've met one of them, Adam, Adam Miller. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, who's been working with your congregation on, on supporting uh, soldiers in, in Kansas. Um, and basically, basically asked that question. Um, how can we as a church uh, be a good neighbor uh, when it comes to gun violence? How, how can we, how can our voice be a part of the, of, uh, of the conversation? How can we, and, and one of the, one of the questions was, what do we do as you've already raised? What do we do when it's no longer on the front page of the news? When the news cycle goes, it's 48 hours later and we've forgotten. Oh, there might be something pop up about, did you hear this about the police chief in Uvalde or whatever? But, you know, we get, we get away from it and it's gone. Um, it was a really, really good conversation, and, and we've got some ideas coming for sure. But I, I love the way you described that. Um, the Second Amendment guy is my neighbor too. Right. Uh, the the NRA mem uh, member is my neighbor too. Uh, I, I think that's the that's the rub. Um, uh, so you are going to send me a copy of that sermon, then? Yes, please. Sure. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll hit send right now. All, all of my all of my um 
all my all my guests are going to get a, a box of Cheryl's Cookies, which is a very famous uh, cookie company here in, in Kansas City. If you send me that sermon, I'll send you two boxes of cookies. All right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let's um, let's let's let's. Uh, uh, Wait, uh, Glenn, I just oh, want to say one more thing about that text. About this, the text is it ends with go and do. Mm. And and I think a lot of times we get bogged down in which one was I? Was I the one that walked by? Was I the one that helped? But I think that go and do, that really struck me in this, in the wake of the most recent shootings. Like, what are we doing? We can't, we can't just be sitting around thinking about it. And I'm glad to see that there seems to be some legislative movement, but um, everybody can go and do something regardless of if you're NRA or or some other place there there and the people who say well it's a mental health issue okay oh, what are you doing what are you going and right. doing about mental health like everybody can do something right, right. and i i think that's that's huge and and you know I, there are there are folks who will remind me it's a complex issue it's very difficult there's a variety of issues involved and 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 um you know allison russo who's uh, one of the state reps that was in our um uh conversation of the night with us, she reminded us that the, one of the worst aspects of gun violence in Ohio is uh, uh, suicide by gun um, by white males. Um, you know, and then so well, what's what's bringing on the depression? What's the mental health? All, all those things are part of that conversation. And um, yeah, so we we're, we're trying to pick our niche. What's a, what's the one niche our church can find where we can go all in? And this is how we're going to how we're going to uh, participate in, in ending gun violence. Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. Thank you. And thank you for the tears, too. Thank you. Mm. Um, three books. What are three books that you'd uh, recommend to to my audience that, that you found helpful in your life in, in, in any shape, whether it's faith or theology or cookbooks? Um, everyone, I want everyone to know that you uh, are an amazing cook. Uh, you, and, you and Julie Miles are two of them, the best cooks I've ever encountered. Thank you, Glenn. Uh, you know, I don't cook that much anymore, but I do, I do miss it. And I do kind of do it just to unwind sometimes. Um, I, I'm kind of eclectic in my reading. And because we just went to Italy, I listened to an audio book um, about Leonardo da Vinci by Walter Isaacson. I don't really know what it's called. It might be called Leonardo da Vinci. I don't know, but it's so great to, I, I didn't expect to love it. I'm only about halfway through it, but it's a, it's a beautiful book. Walter Isaacson's a good writer. And just to think about a gay man artist in the mm. 1400s, right. Right. Um, who was pretty open about his life and was imprisoned for um, his for loving who he loved and yet who i mean the, the the two most famous paintings in the world the last supper and the mona lisa so just to know kind of the complexity of his life and um how he became an artist because he wasn't welcome in his father's house it's just it was just an amazing book i, I loved it um another book i read recently was circe um, I don't, I'm not a, a big Greek mythology person, but I thought it was a really great book about strong women. Hmm. Um, 
So I loved that. I would recommend it. And um, instead of recommending another book, I would say everybody should be listening to Krista Tippett's On Being podcast. Um, I guess they're, I guess folks are listening to this on podcast, so they know how to do that. Uh, Krista Tippett was here at Country Club just a couple of months ago. She has a new book coming out, but it's not out yet, so I can't tell you the exact title. But I think she's doing some of the most cutting edge stuff to integrate uh, theology, faith, spirituality, and American cultural life right now. I, I don't know anybody that's doing that better than she is. I, I love her work. I saw she was coming to your church. I was I was envious that uh, you guys were, were able to get her. It sounded like, sounded like it went really well, too. Yeah, she was great. But I think her interviews with people are just outstanding. And and they're all the transcripts are there on their website, and they, they got some other good good stuff on their website. I would recommend people who are. I I, I love Krista Tippett because I think she appeals to preacher people like you and me, but she also appeals to people who are kind of on the fringe and maybe have given up on faith or they're young and hmm. never have joined a church. And I think she's a good bridge person for our time. I'd agree with that 100. percent All right, so uh, movies. Uh, I, I heard you say in our during our intro that you're not much of a movie person, um, but you you've seen you've recommended some great movies to me over over the years. So you you get out and see some movies once in a while. Can you can you name a couple of movies that you you tell people to go see? I really haven't seen a movie in a while. Um, I hear Top Gun's great. Can't wait was, to see it. It was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I can't wait. But I'll tell you a movie I watched recently, and I bet a lot of people have seen it. I actually watched it on the plane coming home from Italy, uh, Just Mercy, Bryant, oh, the Brian Stevenson. Great movie. I watched it before, and I had read the book before, but, you know, I was on the plane, and I was like, what, what, what do I want to give my time to? And it is so powerful. Yes. If people haven't watched it, they certainly should. I mean, not... I don't know if that falls into the category. I don't know. What what have you seen? Well, saw saw Top Gun Maverick, and yes, it was awesome. And we saw it in IMAX with surround sound and all that. So it was like we were in the plane. Um, uh, we, we this uh, there's this cute little theater here uh, on Grandview Avenue called the Grandview Theater. You know, you can go in, and it's really small. It maybe has a hundred seats. But they've got a they've got an open bar and they've got not open like free, but you can order anything yeah. you want. You can yeah. get all kinds of food. Um, and we saw we saw Jurassic Park, whatever the latest Jurassic Park one is. The movie wasn't very good, but we're we're just loving being out with people in movies, like you know, being together. Um, <clears throat> what's that? We've seen a couple of good movies lately on on Apple TV or something. Um, I can't remember nothing nothing anything serious lately, but those those two popcorn movies are definitely on our on our list. I loved Just Mercy. I think we saw it. That, that was right before the pandemic hit, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and Russ Peterman brought that up in his um, uh, uh, interview with us on these podcasts a couple of weeks ago. Uh, he's doing uh, some kind of a sermon series this summer on God Goes to the Movies or something like that. And Just Mercy is one of the movies that he's going to use it for sermon material. Cool. Yeah. Um, you know, over the holidays, we watched Respect. Um, is that Aretha Franklin? Oh, yeah, I loved it. It was great. Well, that was incredible. And it was so fun. We watched it with our son, who's a musician and is uh, 26, just turned 26. So um, close to your boy's age. And 
was really fun to watch it with him because he didn't know all of that story either. Right. No, he right. knows a lot about the world of music. So have you seen the one Amazing Grace about Aretha Franklin and about the filming of a, of a concert in in a church in L.A.? Yes. Oh, man, I, I wept the last 20 minutes of that. I just sat there on the couch and just wept and 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 didn't didn't care. It was, it was just so powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, in fact, I think I brought it up in a sermon the next week is like, if you watch this, it's an automatic ticket to heaven. Just watch it <laughs> and you're in. All right. Uh, it's been great talking to you, Carla. Um, I give all my listeners, I mean, my guests, uh, the chance for the last word. What's what's your word for our, my audience today? My word is be gentle with yourself. Mm. Probably that's the word I need to hear, but I think the world is stressful. The polarization is difficult for people. Um, I, I think young people are struggling right now. People worried about the economy and, and people, people in my congregation and yours, um, we have high expectations. And I think it's good every now and then to just breathe and be gentle with yourself and, and let go of some of that pressure and know that, that we're beloved. Um, and I don't know, that's it. Be no, gentle, that's, with, that's a good be gentle with yourself. Be gentle with yourself. That's perfect. It's great to see you. Great to hear your voice. Say hi to Dave for me. Say I will hi to say all, hi to Julie. I will and say hi to all the good folks at uh, Country Club for me. Will you please? Only if you come and visit soon. We'll, we'll, we're coming out there sometime. We're trying to figure out when we can get out. We'll be there for sure. All right, good. Carla. Good. Be well. Carla. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us in this episode of Faith Kit. Join us next week for another enlightening conversation.